All right, it's good to see all of you out this morning. I know uh, th this week and the following weeks and just this general time of the year, it can get very busy and people be traveling and they could easily have a lot of excuses about having better things to do than to uh, worship with the saints. So appreciate that. Appreciate all of you that are here uh, today. Our lesson today, we had a topic request on Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. That's the topic that we're going to be looking at. We're just going to be looking at the verse, looking at what it says, uh, a little bit trying to understand all the ins and outs of that verse and trying to apply it uh, to our lives today. And so that's what, that's what we're going to be looking at. And so when I was looking at uh, this verse, I was... After studying this, you really, and just looking at the general context, you really see what Paul is trying to express to these Christians at their former state. They're just total, uh, just, just, they're just enamored, they're just them being enamored and continuing sin and their, their state of separation uh, from God. And I think, you know, once we look at that and, and, and see that, we see the gift and the hope that we have through Christ. I think that we will see the, uh, the, 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 the depths of his love, the things that we really can't put words to, the things that were, that were done so we could be redeemed and be uh, reconciled uh, to God. And, you know, at one point or another, if Christians are all people, at one point they're going to... Uh, be in this state of disobedience or st in this state of sin and separation from God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And so, when we look at that, Paul is saying we are dead, and of course he's talking about being spiritually dead. We're spiritually dead because of our sins. But when we look at chapter one, going back to going back to chapter one, we we see that context of of what we have received if we are Christian. We are uh, we are are saved by faith. We see that we are in, in that same verse talks about in that same chapter talks about being uh, sealed uh, by the Spirit. And we see in, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, it says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God uh, through the death of a son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, Paul, just, let's just take note here. When Paul is writing these things, he says, he, he talks about the state that we were in. And, and all, all of us at one point or another are going to be in the same state in which we are enemies of God. He says, but when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So just being reconciled when we were kind of good or kind of tolerated by God, that, that's one thing. But even when we were enemies were God, of, of God, God sent his son to die for us so that we couldn't be reconciled to him, and uh, and it, I didn't have this on the PowerPoint. But we look at Ephesians chapter one and verse seven. I thought this was on here, but it says Ephesians chapter one and verse seven. It says, "In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace." So Paul is talking about 
uh, again, talking about we being redeemed through the blood, the, the blood of Christ and having those uh, sins forgiven. And so Paul, going back to Ephesians chapter 2, he says, He's, he's talking about this former state that we were once in, but now we are redeemed through Christ. So Paul is saying, hey, look, this is what you were. This is what in, at some point everybody is going to be in that same state. And so as we go through this, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, and we're going to look at that, uh, look at that verse and try, to, and try to learn a little bit more about it. So he talks about being walking according to the course of this world. What 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 does that mean? And in First John chapter two and verse fifteen and sixteen, John says he says, "Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world." Now, we can read throughout, uh, throughout the scriptures that the world, really what, what we're talking about, we're talking about those that are not Christians, not in a relationship with God, those that are unsaved. And John is talking about those things, that those that are in the world that they, they desire, their desires of the flesh, of the eyes, the pride of life, all those, all those sinful things. And those of the world, they constantly yield to this temptation to fulfill those lusts, and they tempt others to uh, do the same. And so also what we have to see is that these things do not come from the Father. They develop, as we'll, we'll look later on in James chapter 1, these things are, come from our, we have our own desires that entice us, and we, and we yield to those things. But notice that the things that are of the world are those things, and those things do not come from the Father. So when we think about we have a lot of people that kind of say, well, all these things are ordained of God, and that God, at one point or the other, He had to uh, make it to where people act like this. Well, that's not really the case, and John, and John makes that clear there. And also in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, As His divine power is given to us all things, uh, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption uh, that is in the world uh, through lust. Now, Peter here, he's saying that the world is is corrupted, and it's not in the sense that it it could it could be fixed if you know if everybody repented if everybody chose to obey God but that's not the case people refuse to submit to God but notice here that Christians we can escape that escape that through those exceedingly great and precious promises of having that of being saved by saved uh, by faith through the knowledge of Him that Peter talks about in, in, in a few verses up, so we can escape those escape those things. So when he talks about walking according to the course of the world back in Ephesians two, he's talking about you walking in sin, walking according and, and always fulfilling those desires of the flesh. And so moving on, when we talk about the, he says you walk according to the course of the world. Uh, to according to the prince of the power of the air. We're going to look at that phrase here for a minute. And so first of all, if you ask the question, well, you know, who is this? What, what is he talking about here? And of course, we can see in the context that this is whoever is, is causing that world or, or is causing the world to walk in uh, disobedience. And so 
We look at uh, John chapter 12 and in verse 31. John chapter 12 and verse 31. Christ says, Now is the judgment of the world, and now the ruler of the world uh, will be cast out. And so we look, at, we look at those few verses and we're like, okay, here we have the ruler, the ruler of the world, which in that context we can kind of see that what we're talking about, we're talking about Satan here. And we have the ruler of the world, and then we have here that prince of the power of the air as well. And also in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it says, So the great dragon was cast out, a servant of old called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole, whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So we see this, this, this uh, uh, verse in John chapter 12, verse 31, and in Revelation 12, trying to, kind of lining up with one another. We see the rule of the world being cast out. We see that, that devil and Satan who deceives the whole world, he was cast, uh, cast to earth. After we see when he's talking about him being cast to earth, now that we, are, we can be redeemed uh, through the blood of Christ. And so we see the same ideas throughout the scripture. The Prince of, the, prince of the power of the air, the ruler of this world, the deceiver of the world. And we kind of see that Satan has some type of, of power or sway over, over, uh, over the world. And so we kind of see that, and we kind of make the conclusion of what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about you walking according to, according to, to Satan. Uh, you're, you're doing those things. You have those, you, you have those actions to where... We see in scriptures to where Satan is known as a liar, deceiver, all those things. And this is what uh, those of the world uh, tend, tend to do. And so, you know, we can conclude here that what we're talking about here is we're, just, we're, talking, about, we're talking about Satan. Also, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 5 through 6, this is when Jesus was being tempted by Satan. It says, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, All of this authority I will give you. And all, all this authority I will give you in their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom to whomever I wish. Now, he's saying this, and we kind of realize, like, no, he really, really couldn't do this. He really he has no power to actually give that to him now. But there is a sense here in which Again, we have there's a sense that Satan does have some type of power or authority over the world, in the sense that he, he does a pretty good job of of deceiving of deceiving people. Uh, but we know that God ultimately rules all these things. Really, at the end of the day, it's up to up to God whether or not these things could uh, happen. And also, when we think about this term of the powers of the air, I think it's it's interesting that. That term is used. I was when I was studying this, there was some reference to, or, or there's some information out that says that the Jews had some belief that that these that these spirits actually resided in the air or the atmosphere. And I don't know how, I don't know the ins and all ins and outs of that. I don't really uh, know if that's true or not. But it kind of would make sense with how Paul is describing that. But regardless of that. Uh, it doesn't change this primary idea that Satan has some type of uh, some type of power, or authority, or, or sway over the world in which people are always wanting to uh, fulfill their uh, their desires. They want to act on those uh, sinful uh, lusts, rebelling against God. 
In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so here Paul is saying that one that continues in sin, he is, he is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from, uh, from the beginning. And so they walk, uh, these people who sin, they walk according to Satan. They walk according to uh, the course of the world, walking according to the ruler of this world. Now, with all this being said, we have to make sure that, and we have to understand that we are never forced to sin. It's not as though Satan just comes over us and we're just, well, we, we just got to do that. And there's some, some in, the, in the Calvinistic theology and those sorts, we're kind of given this idea that we are just, we're, we, are, we have this nature in which we are forced to sin. And we, and, and, but the Bible never talks about those things. Now, there's a saying out in the world, there was some comedian that said these things that said, the devil made me do it. In a sense of, well, you know, I'm not going to be responsible for my sin because it was the devil that was playing a part in that. Well, we never see the devil actually forcing anyone to actually do anything in the Bible. We don't see Satan forcing Eve to eat the fruit. We don't see Satan forcing Job, trying, making him trying to speak evil of God. We don't see all those things. We don't see those things happening. And what we have to understand is that most, we can only be tempted. That's, 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 the most that we, that's the most that can happen to us. And we, we need to be aware of that. And we need to be, have our minds focused that if we have some type of temptation uh, befalling us, that we have to have our mind set that we're not going to yield to those things, that we're going to submit and follow God only. And we need to be aware of that when we try to start making excuses for, about our sin. Well, you know, I just, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day and, he was he was in a, uh, a, a pretty much a, he had committed sin with a uh, another woman, and they're not married. But he said he claimed that he had repented of that. But uh, he's still living with the woman in the same house, and it's like, you know, how how is that even reasonable? And the excuses you have these excuses for these financial. Well, we 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 don't have enough money to. To separate or anything of that, but that's not that's not the case. At the, we have to be willing to make responsible have the responsibility for our sin, for our sins, and if we truly and we can truly repent of those things, regardless of the situation is the problem or not is whether or not we really want to get rid of that sin in our lives. That's the real deal. There's no there's there's nothing in scriptures talked about. We can we can we can never. Uh, there are some cases in which we can never uh, reject sin. We can all, always, in some, in some way or manner, always refuse to, com uh, refuse to commit sin. And we need to be aware of that. And so our next, our next part is when we talk about the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And so... I think a lot of times when we see the word spirit that we kind of just get kind of, ugh, you know, what is all that it, it, it kind of talks about. But when we think about the devil, we think about how he's described as he's described as a deceiver. He describes it a liar. He's known for committing. Uh, he's known for uh, sin and rebellion towards God. And when we walk according to the course of the world, we're walking according to walking according to Satan, our, our same 
you know, we are wanting to do those things of the world. We're wanting to uh, fulfill those lusts of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, doing uh, those things. And so, and so we look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. And so John, I like the book of 1 John. He just, he just makes everything, the way he writes, I, I like the way he writes. But he says that the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. And whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So again, he says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. And so those that I think we can make the conclusion is, is verse, and he says, when he talks about the children of the devil are manifest, those that are unrighteous, those that practice unrighteousness, those are the uh, children of the devil, uh, so to speak. And of course, it's not that they are physically children of the devil, but it's because that they act like the devil. They are always... They, they, they pursue unrighteousness. In this case, they would hate their brother. It's not the sense we can understand that they're, it's because that they, their actions and the desires are similar. That This is how they're described as the uh, children of God. And we see this idea of children, uh, uh, or children of the devil. And we see this idea of the children of God. They are practicing righteousness. They are practicing those uh, things of God. They have submitted themselves to God. So I think we can see this, this, uh, 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 this distinction between uh, the two. Also, we look at John chapter 8, verse 44. It says, You are of your father the devil, and desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so Jesus is talking to the, the Pharisees, I believe, here, and he says, you know, they talk about, well, we have Abraham as our father. And he says, you are of your father, the devil. And we can kind of see clearly what, what Jesus is referring to here. It's not that they are actually physically children of them, but it's because the, the desires of your father you want to do. It's because that, they, that these desires are of, of, of speaking against Christ, of, of, and ultimately, we see that them are murdering of Jesus. We see that their desires of, of, of Satan and desires of them are actually, are actually pretty similar. And so, again, we have the same, we have the same ideas, this description of, of children or somebody's father, uh, that, they're, they're, that uh, Jesus is saying the devil is their father because they're acting like, that de- like the devil. And we can kind of see this idea uh, tr- kind of going throughout the scriptures. I think it's interesting when we see in the New Testament these references to the sons and the children. We see in Galatians chapter 3 and in verse 7, it says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And so we also see in Romans chapter 4, it says those that walk in the steps of the faith of Abraham are the sons of Abraham. And so we, uh, again, we see this that we see in Romans 4 the specific faith that Abraham had and those that walk in the same, that same type of faith are uh, that son. And so 
what we what you kind of see here is that those who have that type of faith that Abraham had, those that are looking for that hope, those are the ones that are sons of Abraham, not in a physical sense, but in a, a spiritual sense here. And so when we think about the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, I think what he's, really what he's saying is, is the sons of disobedience are those who are simply that are disobedient to God. And we see that, we see that context throughout that verse is trying to, Paul trying to drive home that point that you are in rebellion, you are in disobedience to God, you are walking according to the course of that world, you are, you are as bad as you could be. At, at this stage. Also in, in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 3 and 4, again, it says, But come here, you sons of the sorceress, you offspring of the adulterer and the harlot. Whom do you ridicule? Against whom do you make a wide mouth to stick out the tongue? Are you not children of transgression, offspring of falsehood? And so this is, again, reference uh, to Israel here. Uh, this is how far they have gone from uh, of God. We see uh, this in, in our nine o'clock class. At it, some points, they are just lockstep with God, and other times we see it there in, in rebellion. We see that cycle throughout the Book of Judges, for example. And this is how far they've gone from God. They are uh, neck deep in sin. They're worshiping idols, and this is what he's uh, describing them as. They are that they are so far. Uh, gone from God that they're constantly in this sin and transgression. And we see how God describes them, that they're being the offspring of the adulterer and the heart. This is what they are constantly uh, doing. That's what their desires are set on. They're set on that, that sin and, uh, and, and, that, uh, all the, and the transgression and the falsehood. So we look at that verse. I hope maybe... I hope whoever put that down, that's kind of what they were looking for. But uh, we kind of see that when we look at that verse, we look at the context, the main point that what Paul is trying to say is, hey, this is who you were. And it wasn't good. It was, the, you, were, you were bad. You were, I mean, it's like you were the worst of the worst. There was no way that you in and of yourself could have any chance, any hope, any type of redemption outside of what Christ provided. And in Colossians chapter 3, in verses 1 through 6, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So Paul is talking to Christians and saying, if, if you are raised through Christ, you know, put, those, put, put, put the old man away. Set your mind on things above. Uh, put to death your members which are on the earth, all these desires, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, put those things away. That you are, that you, that you, your life, uh, your formal, it says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have that, you are a new man, you have a new life in which, in which you are hidden with Christ in God and that you ha- should have nothing to do uh, with that old life which is described here. And so our mindset should change to those things that are spiritual and good. 
And so if we, if we want to be Christians, we can't have any part of these things here. Because it says in verse 6, because of these things, wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So we can't continue and do these things if, 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 if we do do these things, this is what we're going to experience. We're going to experience the wrath of God, and there's no way that we're going to escape that if we continue that. So it is imperative that if we're Christians that we are to uh, live uh, live our lives in submission uh, to God's will. But we can see, like in Ephesians chapter 1, and we can, and we can see that hope that we can have uh, through Christ, having that eternal life in heaven with Him. And so, if you, are, if you are here today, and if you are not of Christ, if you are not a Christian, you have to understand what the situation that you are in. That this is, Paul describes these things in Colossians chapter 3 and, and describes the conditions that uh, they were in in Ephesians chapter 2. It's not good. And you can't, work it, you can't work it out by your own effort. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. And you have to be willing to su- submit to God. You have to believe in Him, repent of your sins, uh, com- uh, confess, uh, confess your faith in Him, and uh, be baptized in water for the remission of sins. But also... We know that as Christians, we can stumble. It's very easy for us to, to fall back into uh, uh, these, uh, these, these patterns of sin, these, th- these things that are sinful. And uh, if, if you are in that shape today, if you need the prayers of the saints, you need to confess anything or any of that matter, uh, we ask that you uh, come as we stand and as we sing.